0: Today's episode brought to you by BossPods.com. Want a podcast like a boss? We've got the inside word on how to set up a podcast that's actually worth something. We've got the industry's best to show you how. BossPods.com. Podcast like a boss.
1: This is weird Let's for me this. to yeah. It's weird for me to walk in and <laughs> not. I was Just like, let it
0: all fall on my shoulders. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Well, don't thank talk you. About for, it. Uh, we'll talk about it in amongst the thing oh in the thing why not
1: yeah that's a good that's good it's very I don't
0: know what's I don't know where it's gonna go matter.
1: let's find out
0: let's
1: find out <laughs> <laughs> we actually got Nick who can play that on piano you <laughs> don't bum, have he can play that <laughs> there you go
0: we've got sound effects and everything <laughs> you I do this <laughs> it's okay. <too cute. laughs>
1: Nick goes Bom, bum, bum, bum.
0: yeah <gasps> and then we gasp yeah okay you ready are we recording well, we've already? We've been rolling for a while. Oh, man. Okay, well, I I'll do the interview. I'm surprised you even seven. in my interview, in right. my own interview. I thought I had all the power. I you don't.
1: Did. Oh, you do now. Okay, good. And Power.
0: Welcome to this, the 50th installment of Coming Up Next.
1: It is the 50th episode.
0: Yeah, do not adjust your sets, friends. Uh, this is a female voice you are hearing, not the voice <laughs> of our beloved Al Marks. Um,
1: Although I do do a killer uh, <laughs> a woman's voice.
0: You do an amazing Michaela Bannis impersonation. Yes,
1: mm. this is my Michaela Bannis
0: impression. That's Goodness, why, why don't I do that bit and All you do, right. I'll play Michaela Bannis, yeah. you play Al Marks. Deal. And today I'll play the interviewer and you play the interviewee.
1: But I'm the interviewer.
0: That's normally what happens. But today... Yeah. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Go, Nick. No. Yep. <laughs> Do it, Nick. Do it, Nick. <gasps> the tables Jesus. have turned.
1: Right.
0: <laughs> Do you like the drama of this already? Yeah. Yeah. I also good. like
1: that there's no table in here.
0: There's no table to turn. No. Mm, it's metaphoric.
1: Oh. Symbolism. Yeah. Learned about that in your We've already drama. gone really
0: deep, yeah. really deep. <laughs> uh, this is Michaela Banner speaking and I would like to welcome, <laughs> this is so fun. <laughs>
1: you're already more prepared than I Multi-award
0: winning uh, uh, director, writer, yeah. filmmaker and 2016 uh, Trollfest finalist to his own podcast, Al Marx.
1: Oh, thank you. Woo! Wow. There's so many people here I'd like to thank.
0: I know, so many. All Nick, two of us. Michaela. Wow, you're welcome.
1: And that's 100%. And myself.
0: So this is this is the 50th podcast. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. First and foremost, because that's huge for, for both of you to have... Hi, hi Nick. Nick. Nick never gets to say anything, but Nick is in the room at all times uh, recording these amazing things. And um, I just wanted to... Yeah, we talked the other day on the phone about turning the tables and you're in the hot seat this time, which is fun. <laughs> yeah. This is the 50th. Do you have a... Uh, a favorite or I mean <laughs> me aside, a favorite <laughs> or or a most surprising uh guest that you've had on coming up next so far
1: it's funny that question comes up a bit when hmm. uh with people when i'm talking about the show, and I guess you're the first repeat offender, so to speak, on the oh. show uh, so it's sort of like i've been chat i've chatted to 49 people Mm. prior to this on the show well actually more because there was a couple of episodes that have featured multiple guests Mm. Uh, and i've kind of uh i mean it's so difficult to put a finger on a favorite guest because each each person's bringing in something different you know there's like people like you and I who've had a working relationship for a number of years and a friendship where it's really, we're chatting on a, maybe a, a di- in a different way to yeah. how we may have related before. And then there are people who I've never met before who I'm speaking to. And it's amazing because within 10 minutes, we're having these really kind of in-depth conversations about life and philosophy. And then in most cases, I've never seen them again. Yeah. Uh, and then there are some people where they're, where they're kind of like a combination or it's someone who... Um, who I've whose career I've followed, or uh, you know, so I guess it's kind of difficult to, to narrow they, all the episodes bring so many amazing highlights and insights. Uh,
0: you can't pick a favorite, clearly, of course. But yeah. has anyone, has I'm anyone giving you a very
1: diplomatic answer? You
0: are well done, you <laughs> uh, because they'll all be listening going. He means me, really.
1: Yeah,
0: though. Um, but which I do. But has anyone surprised? Has anyone surprised you? Have you Have you sat down with anyone thinking they were going to be one thing, and they've they've been the complete opposite, or um, their philosophies have shocked or surprised? Not shocked or surprised you, but you've had a preconceived idea about what that might be, and it's not. Mm.
1: That's a really good question.
0: Yeah, see? See what it's like? <laughs> Suffer. <laughs> Suffer in the silence. Uh,
1: the interview that I did with Reese Muldoon took mm. a surprisingly uh, deep and philosophical turn. Um I'm always surprised by people's willingness to kind of go there with me mm-hmm. when we do fall down the rabbit hole of life, death, God, religion, spirituality, because it seems to be something that's not really spoken about very frequently. And Reece, uh was, it wasn't that I was surprised because he's an incredibly intelligent and um, articulate human yeah. being. But I've just never had a conversation with him that kind of took the course of the conversation that he and I ended up having. Mm. Similarly with um, Dylan Lewis, when I had him on, Mm. uh, I'd only met him once before I was hired to film an audition for him. Uh, And then I happened to see him at the St Kilda Film Festival last year in 2015 and asked him if he wanted to be on the show. And we ended up, he's such a soft and gentle Mm. spirit with such an amazing irreverence to him. That it was so, such a joyful and gleeful uh, interview, mm. um, which again, not a surprise, but unexpected.
0: Do you think it's? Do you think there's something in um, in the in the choosing of? i um,
1: taking his jacket off. It's
0: already getting intense. Well, here. Nick, Nick decided to um, <laughs>
1: reclaim his pantsless uh, position, so I figured I could at least jacket off. I, I mean, take my jacket off. <laughs> Do
0: you think there's um, without? I mean, I don't necessarily want to go too deep too soon. But do you think there's something in um, the the guests that you've chosen? Mm. I, I don't know whether you've done it on on purpose with the sort of inkling that because um, I've met both Reese and Dylan, and and I don't know either of them very very well. But there is a sense to them that there is huge depth there. Mm. Has that been part of uh, part of the? decision-making process for you and who you choose to interview or have you just kind of going that guy was really interesting him I'd like to talk to him
1: yeah I think my only prerequisite for having people on the show is uh, that they're following a life of their own design Mm -hmm. so to speak Mm -hmm. so and I think inevitably anyone who is following their heart and their dreams and their passion what what kind of gets them out of bed in the morning whether it is someone who is an actor or a personality or an architect or a life coach or a writer or mm-hmm. a painter i think it takes tremendous depth of character to be following a life that fundamentally uh, is fraught with instability
0: and in your opinion after interviewing you know 50, almost fifty forty nine <laughs> well, you said it's probably more because there've been you know multiple people in interviews, but after interviewing that many people, um, is there a common thread? Is there a common thing you think that um, spurs them on that that because it is such an inst- unstable, financially terrifying kind of yeah. uh, uh, industry to be involved with? Do you know what I mean? Is, do, do you find a, a commonality at all between all of these people? Is it a lack of fear? Is mm, it... Certainly not. <laughs> yeah. Well, or is it conquering fear? Is it... Um...
1: Do you ever... Do you think you conquer fear or do you think you uh, learn how to kind of live with it and um, and how to work with it?
0: Well... I think, most, I think most people are afraid of the unknown mm. and so as soon as you take the leap and go I'm going to find out what it is or just have a go and then it becomes known to you, mm. it's not, you're not afraid anymore so I don't think it's necessarily conquering it per se but it's, it's understanding what the unknown or, or knowing the unknown.
1: But if it's just circles of awareness... Then you're always afraid of the unknown. You're always afraid of what you don't know. So there's just always just what fear. you know expands. Mm. Yeah. The fear doesn't go away.
0: I think I'm less fearful now than I was a couple of years ago, mm. for sure.
1: Mm. I think, I think. So
0: I think it. I think it diminishes it for sure. I don't think. I don't think it ever goes away. I think there's always something to to mm. be afraid of or worry about. And you might, as an adult, get to a place where you're like, I am not afraid of anything. And then you have a child, and you just worry and fear for them the whole time. <laughs> you know, perhaps yeah. I don't know. I'm not a parent, but, um, yeah. Do you think it's willingness to just go, go ahead, regardless of fear, or, or you know, what's stopping a lot of people from following their dream, do you think? And what's what's led the people that you've talked to, mm. to chase it regardless?
1: Well, I would say that, and uh, you know, we can't speak in absolutes because I haven't interviewed seven billion people, so... No, but of the people um, you've um, but, spoken uh, to. Well, I, the first part of your question was, what is it that stops other people from... what What is, in in my opinion, that stops people from living from the heart mm. and... My first thought was absolutely it would be fear, but I can't hmm. speak absolutely. Uh, I think that more so than the fear of uh, not being not earning enough money or the fear of um, rejection, well, more so than the fear of instability or the fear of not earning enough money or the, you know um not having security i think the fear of rejection or the fear of judgment or the fear mm-hmm. of uh, one's own self-worth mm-hmm. is certainly something that's held me back from pursuing uh, endeavors before creatively and, and i think what's always gotten me through that is simply acting taking action anyway um yeah. and trusting that things will line up as they as they do and
0: if they don't that's okay
1: <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs>
0: nothing bad is going to happen mm. uh, and so therefore the people that you've spoken to do you, th- do you think they carry that with them as well
1: yeah i think a common thread has certainly been people taking action um mm without necessarily knowing what the future will look like Mm. having an approximation but trusting in the uncertainty or the um unknowing Mm. uh and i think honoring themselves and what they feel um, and being true to what they what they want to do and who they want to be
0: i wonder if upbringing has a lot to do with that Mm. and support and or lack of support, so you go right. Well, I'll show you. Or <laughs> you know, um, so let's go back then to the to the beginning for you. Yeah, um, we go. <laughs> well, I'm just interested to know. I don't know um, at what point, at what age, or when you knew that, or if you had an inkling that you wanted to be in the entertainment industry in some way, whether it was as a performer or behind the scenes or whatever. Mm. Do you? Do you know when that was? Is there a pinpoint or is it kind of just always been there?
1: You know, Michaela, I've spoken a lot on this show (laughs) about uh, my kind of origin story, I suppose. And I actually recently interviewed my grandfather on this podcast who I have attributed a lot of my kind of uh, creative, um, the origins of my creativity to. He's a writer and a journalist and um and an author and he would always be I suppose encouraging the silliness in us in one sense you know always making up songs and singing um nonsense and telling us stories and encouraging um I can't speak for my pantsless brother behind me (laughs) but he was certainly always encouraging me to write stories there's I have photographs of me sitting at a typewriter when I must have been two, if that. Do you
0: have any of those stories still? Or does he? I wonder if anyone's got them.
1: I can remember a short story that I wrote, although I think it would have been... I think I would have been uh, an early adolescent as opposed to a kid. But I certainly remember a short story that I wrote that one of my teachers wanted to, to try and get published. <laughs> Um, It was a kid's story that was called The Day the Wolf Got His Way. And it was all about the wolf that is the thread through a lot of those kind of um, stories like The Three Pigs, um, Little Red Riding Hood. And it was about the day that he actually
0: got what he wanted wanted,
1: (laughs) as opposed to constantly leaving this groundhog day where he, uh, you know, was constantly being set on fire or killed or maimed or something.
0: It's a cool concept,
1: and what um, you know what subsequently happened to him through getting what he wanted, um, which was I can't remember. Damn it! <laughs> but as I'm saying it, I'm like, wow, this is this concept just, still has legs.
0: It really does. Yeah, this so is the thing about kids. Anyone from Pixar know, is listening. Hey, we have got an idea for you. We don't we know do. what happens at the end, but hey, that's fine. Um, uh, wouldn't it be great if you if you could well, have find to learn some, some, some those, sort of lesson? Some, oh, of course, it'd be moral. Yeah, a moral lesson there for that sure. Not
1: being greedy, just having yeah, one and kick, and not three.
0: also you know when you do get what you want, is it really what you wanted? Yeah, or, exactly. Um, are you happy? Mm. <laughs> yeah. So there, Wolf. Um, when when you were growing up, so obviously with your granddad, um, he was very encouraging. We were mum and dad encouraging. Yeah,
1: yeah, my parents were. Uh, incredibly encouraging always have been and I certainly hope always will be yeah Uh, and I don't mean just literally in patting me on the back and saying off you go son go and do what you love
0: you can follow your dream yeah Yeah.
1: I mean they've supported me financially as well and continue Mm. to be a safety net I'm very fortunate that you know if I do as we do as artists sometimes have really difficult periods of a couple of months where Mm-hmm. i thought i was over that hurdle <laughs> <laughs> it uh, looms
0: for everybody then, no then, matter how successful it, you get it's just just over there Because yeah. you don't know when the next when or if the next job is going to come
1: yeah exactly um i feel very fortunate that i'm able to um have them as such amazing an amazing support network mm. and i feel very vulnerable kind of exposing that part of myself right now but um i would it would be remiss of me to not give them the credit that they deserve
0: well and at least you acknowledge with gratitude yeah that that is there for you i remember I, when i um i did a, a course with ellen burston mm. incredible actress she's in academy her 80s award, uh, academy award winning, winning uh actor um and she was saying she's in her eighties early or she'd be in her mid eighties now. Mm. And she was saying, I think she was eighty-two at the time, I still worry that I'm not gonna get another job. Yeah, yeah. And this is someone who <laughs> is everyone knows who Ellen Burstyn is and, and, and she's and you know, she'll go for a meeting with a director and they'll be like, Oh yeah, we want you for this. She'll be like, Oh my god, they want me to they want me in their movie mm. still. So I just don't think that ever goes away. She was that. who you
1: were up against for upper Middleburg yeah, in America Yeah, so... Right?
0: <laughs> So there, Ellen Burston, in your face. Uh, but she did get a couple of rolls over me and so right. it, it all works out in the wash. But, but a lot of, you know, I think it's, that's a wonderful um, gift to have, to know mm. that you have support because you constantly do feel in this world and in our industry, what if this is the last job? Mm. And then if there is no more, then what do I do? And will anyone ever hire me again? And so there's a lot of mm. worry uh, around that.
1: Yeah, and I think, as you said, it's important to have gratitude and appreciation for the support network that you do have, whether it's in kind of a literal uh, way uh, like a family support network Mm -hmm. that you know if you're going to be short on rent or something that you can uh, borrow money or um, a more emotional support network like family or friends or whomever, people that are uplifting you on your way, because the artist's <laughs> way is certainly fraught with, uh, mm. you know, emotional highs and lows.
0: If there was only if there was only one option to you in mm. the world to have to have financial support somehow or to have emotional support, what do you think
1: is more emotional support for sure?
0: Yeah, I would think so. But I yeah. think some people who worry about money all the time, I think that just indicates where your worry lies Mm. do you know what i mean like some people just worry about money all the time i know actor friends who that's all they seem to worry about is money 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 what am i going to do what am i going to do so for them it might be a Mm. it's not a a judgment on
1: no but there is morals but there is a great thing i don't know if it transcends australia or if it's just an australian thing but there's this poverty mindset amongst mm. artists that we could really do with kind of alleviating Um, where it's because I guess of this kind of insecurity, and because of our I guess government funding systems, and that essentially most artistic institutions in Australia are predominantly funded by government as opposed to privately um, or through studio systems or whatever. Mm. Uh, it feels like there's a lack of a lack of work, a lack of money, and so yeah, you know, it's a
0: constant battle. It feels like yeah, well, you know. I can't remember the statistics specifically, so please don't quote, you know, please don't write in and say she's got it wrong. But, it's a but huge... if you'd like to, yeah, at Michaela point. Bennis
1: <laughs> on Twitter and Instagram.
0: But there is a huge percentage, without getting uh, too, too down on things, but a huge percentage, something in the 70-something percent of actors live in poverty, literally in mm. poverty. Ninety-five um, percent of actors are unemployed. Um, filmmakers are like you know, so mm-hmm. it's huge, huge amounts of unemployment and poverty. And 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 then when you do have some success, I know some actors that have had some success and then haven't worked for a while. So go and work in a bar, mm. and people are horrible to them because they're that guy off that show or whatever, yeah. you know. But they have to pay their rent, and um,
1: so much ego at play, isn't there?
0: Yeah, and there is this mindset in Australia, and. Um, which is it's such a shame
1: Mm, but a lot of it I think comes down to how we value the artists and more importantly how the artists value themselves and I think that that can be a direct reflection of how much value you have in your bank account
0: why do you think though aside aside from from money there's this thing I feel in in this country that doesn't seem to exist in as much um, in America or in the UK of Don't shine. Don't be too awesome. Don't Mm. say that you're good at your job because then you're up yourself. You're a wanker. You're, you know, why?
1: We spoke about this a lot in uh, in our interview episode two of coming up next.
0: (laughs) If you want to go back, Mm. uh, pearls of wisdom being dropped everywhere in that episode. But (laughs) it's interesting that that it. You know, it's a fine line because you want to celebrate mm. success, but you also don't want to be uh, think that you're above anybody. So, I think it's probably something about keeping yeah, I keeping think we're Aussies, too invested keeping... in what
1: other people think in Australia, mm. and for that reason, we keep ourselves small. And I'm not saying other people's opinions aren't important or valid, but there's a great uh, there's a great quote I think is it Woody Allen who says, "What other people think of me is none of my business." Mm. Mm. That's true. I mean, what, the, what, what I think people don't like in Australia about other people's success is that it is a direct reflection of the success that they do not have. Mm. You don't really ever see or hear of successful people who are, you know, cutting other people down. Well, that's not necessarily true. I suppose it defends how you define success.
0: Well, again, yeah, we talked about this, you know. (laughs) Mm. Exactly. It's such a broad kind of term. I think um, I had a really interesting conversation the other day and I wonder wonder about generationally Mm. how things have shifted because we look at, you know, our our parents and grandparents, you know, worked really, really hard, had to slay their guts out, you know, or that's the story we're told, whether it's true or not, you know, but... They but didn't have the iPhone work really hard. or the Google. Yeah, and, and, and so we, that's been handed down sort of to, to our generation. And then it feels like the next generation, so the... the um,
1: Millennials.
0: Millennials have this sense of I can do anything. mm um, which is kind of a, a wonderful thing, but also does it make them complacent? And mm. I mean, I'm, not, I'm going on a tangent here, but I yeah, I do find that generation that Gen
1: Y are complacent or uh, entitled, and I don't really find that as a Gen Y person. Mm. So I think I don't know. I think as the world evolves and people stop perhaps paying attention to that and. Uh, you know, there there is a great fear around change and around um, the unknown like we've discussed before. Mm. And I think that people of our grandparents' generation in some cases maybe have given up trying to understand how things work. Mm-hmm. So they, there may be this, you know, like I was talking to someone on the phone the other day and they were telling me they sent off their 12-year-old son to go to school, packed his laptop into his bag and off he went, and she said, <laughs> "Yeah, you're shaking your head. It's 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 crazy to think that. Like I don't even think about that because I don't have children, but." Yeah, that makes sense. Why wouldn't every kid now have a laptop that they worked on?
0: We didn't on. even have computers at school yeah.
1: when I was at school. <laughs> we had like a computer room. That, high, high,
0: school we, high school, we had a computer room, those, those big square ones with the black yeah, yeah. screen with the green writing. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. you know.
1: I wonder if hipsters will ever bring those back oh, into they'll be vogue. Back.
0: Yeah, they'll, they'll make, the, make a lamp out of them or something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Speaking of school, what was school like for you? Honestly. Segway. Hey, see what I did there? Excellent. Nick's
1: loving it. It's like we jumped on one of those two wheels. I know. And I just leaned forward a little and bit. We went forward and off we went Very into the gently. next topic. Brilliant. Very gently. Thank you. I ruined it though.
0: <laughs> you did by pointing it out, but that's okay.
1: <laughs> that's how we roll in the ramble room. Uh, school for me. I went to a private Jewish school and it was great communally. Certainly wasn't fostering of creative uh pursuits i did have one teacher in high school who who i'm still in touch with uh who was my drama teacher Erez and he was so amazingly nurturing of um of myself and anyone else who kind of showed showed an interest in um in drama and just had this amazing way to kind of join the dots in a really Mm -hmm. engaging way. I mean, that was all I wanted to do when I was certainly from probably about age 12 or 13, I was like, I'm sold on being an actor. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, yeah, I also was always drawing. Um, I thought I wanted to be a cartoonist at one point. I loved Mm -hmm. doing voices uh, and I loved creating and writing, uh, you know, Little plays and things that I've mentioned on here many times before that me and my cousins would put on. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, I had a great group of friends in um, primary and high school and a great sense of family. Um, I think going to a school that is kind of really steeped in a religion, as I did. Doesn't really prepare you for the real world, and so there's this great culture shock when suddenly you step out of school, and not everyone is Jewish. Mm -hmm. In fact, (laughs) most people are not. Not yeah. (laughs) Uh, And I guess there was a big rejection of that sort of that identity uh, when I was, particularly in high school. Probably now that I'm now as I'm talking about it, I'm realizing it's probably because I felt like the that culturally I was rejected for not being academically driven or you know Mm -hmm. not wanting to be a doctor or a good doctor a good lawyer yeah yeah you know Uh, so (laughs) (laughs) yeah that 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 actually makes sense it was probably only about three or four years ago when I went to Israel for the first time that I went ah, this is really cool being Mm -hmm. Jewish is cool Mm -hmm. there's a really rich history here and a really great culture and uh, yeah. There's a really solid support network. I certainly don't identify in any religious ways, mm-hmm. um, but definitely culturally.
0: Did you did you have a say over where you went to school? Or was that sort no. of just your parents went, this is where you're going, that's where you went?
1: Yeah, I went to uh, one school in primary school, which I got suspended from. For? <laughs> uh, <laughs>
0: His face lit up, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen.
1: Um, I'm not uh, not proud of this. <laughs> we got into a fight with a there was a boy who whose hormones must have been going crazy mm-hmm. and um so he I think we must have been 10. Uh obviously didn't know how to deal with said hormones and was touching other boys inappropriately. Right. Uh so yes. He was the unlucky recipient of an unfortunate beating of which I was part of. Part of? Yeah.
0: Were there a group of kids? Yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah. Not Not a proud moment for me.
0: No, but um, these things happen when, I mean, you're 10.
1: Yeah. Uh, um. And he didn't take no, the no's that were, well, I can't speak for the other kids, but I certainly uh, remember... Uh, very politely asking him to cease Mm -hmm. and he did not Hmm. Uh, and yeah so that led to a suspension
0: for you and for for a couple of other kids. yeah i think there was about
1: four of us that got suspended
0: did he was he did he stay at the school yeah he did did he stop doing what he'd been doing
1: as i recall he did right um yeah so that was that and then there was a new principal that came to the school Uh, actually no the new principal was already there and i mean there was no i guess in that whole incident uh you know whatever kind of side of the fence you want to sit on violence is never the answer but there was certainly no voice to be had for the ways in which we'd been treated by this kid Mm. um and then uh we i don't know the principal wasn't running the school very well so a whole group of it was literally like half the year level moved from one school to another school at the same time oh wow yeah it was crazy including you including me yeah right um and then i moved to this other school (laughs) yeah yeah they made him wear pants to school though
0: I mean, it's kind of a prerequisite these days. I think
1: that's how he rebelled. Yeah.
0: I'm not um, wearing pants again. Ha ha ha. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> um, he had a pants burning rally. Right. Yeah. He was the only one that attended.
0: That's awkward.
1: Yeah. A few women turned up come burning on, guys. their bras. But...
0: Hey hey, guys, come and yeah, do the...
1: Let's burn our pants.
0: Ah, uh, never mind.
1: At the... at the <laughs> what what What's the amphitheater? We're all burning our pants. <laughs>
0: yeah. Everyone meet me there at 10 past three. Yeah. Guys... Anyone. Anyone. <laughs>
1: dun, 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 dun. And
0: so, high school then.
1: Yeah, I was a pretty troubled. kid in well, high school. you were a troubled kid in high school? Well, for the first few years, yeah, in what I spent sense? quite a bit of time in the outside the principal's office. I think I, like upon reflection, I think I just felt misunderstood, uh, and I felt
0: because you were creative in a in a potentially yeah intellectual. Kind and of... I loved
1: watching professional wrestling, so
0: right. That didn't fly in maths.
1: No. Yeah. I mean, when, you, when, when you're learning Pythagoras' theorem Ugh. and you ask the teacher if she smells what you're cooking...
0: I just had a micro-sleep when you said Pythagoras' theorem. <laughs> Literally. Well, I'm back. Back in the room.
1: Yeah. I mean... Yeah. Um,
0: no offence to any mathematicians out there and people who love Pythagoras and his theorem. Congratulations. Just not my...
1: Yeah. Come and when Jenny. you tell the teacher that A squared plus B squared equals Austin 316, <laughs> they didn't, don't really doesn't fly well. very well, especially when you give them a stone-cold stunner afterwards.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love that there's always – you talked about your drama teacher before. It feels like there's always – There's always one. There's always one, you know what mm. I mean? Sometimes it's, it's not Robin sometimes Williams. it's, it's – Yeah. Did Have you had any other – obviously he was an important – Influence mm. to you creatively when you were younger and your grandfather and your parents obviously were very supportive. Mm. Have there been any other really significant people, especially when you're younger, because that's when you're really establishing who you are as a person and what you might want to do. And Are yeah. there any other standout?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think I always gravitate towards uh, people who are outstanding at what they do. Um, simply by virtue of the fact that I always want to be outstanding at what I do. Hmm. So there was probably a little bit of a lull when I finished high school, Uh, but that was probably more to do with me trying to work out what I wanted to do because I did a year of performing arts when I finished school at Monash. I don't know why I say that. I did a year of arts. But I did all performing arts subjects. I didn't actually get into performing arts, <laughs> right? But I always say I did performing arts because it sounds, for some reason, better. Because
0: you're an artist, and so, yeah. you know, well, that's what I did. That's
1: what I, it's what my ego wants to <laughs> say. Uh, I only did that for a year. I don't even think I completed enough subjects to actually um, part like pass the the year. Mm. Uh, but. In doing that, I did a subject called visual culture, which was all, which was basically film studies. And then I thought, oh, i I'd love to go and study that. So I went to the VCA for a year and did, um, the foundations program in film and television there Okay. and, uh, subsequently made a sketch show about making a sketch show with, uh, Liam McIntyre, who's also been on this show, Yeah. um,
0: was that your first
1: that was the first thing first that he and first kind of gig I, and, was that your first yeah obviously. that was that was probably the first i mean we made a couple of micro short films in that year mm. but this but that was the first yeah, like proper project where we really sat down and scripted it and there was pre-production production post-production it's and terrible how old were you? but uh 19 wow yeah actually in saying that while we were at high school we not that i went to high school with Liam Um, but when I was at high school and utterly obsessed with wrestling, there was probably a good, there was a group of probably six to eight of us who were really into it, who also did drama. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we had to do when we were in maybe like year nine and 10, uh, I think each like half of the year we had to do like a big group project. And what we would do is we would kind of. And it had to be like collaborative a collaborative effort, so what we would do was we'd get like the core sort of six or eight of us, and we would actually write a wrestling show, mm-hmm. uh, and the and and then we would plan it and film it uh, at someone's house, and we would actually choreograph and stage and script um, these wrestling videos. <laughs> And the storylines must have spanned like two years or something. Wow! Um, so, I guess really that would have been that was when we were like fifteen, I think. So, yeah, that would have been the first, I guess, sort of video thing. But I didn't have a lot to do at that time. The political social structures of the school I was not anywhere near the top of the pecking order, so but. I was more a participant than a necessarily yeah. a creator.
0: And was um, it was? Did you say it was a highly religious school?
1: No. Right. No, no, just it a wasn't. religious school. It was it was a Jewish school, but there was no like there was no praying, for example. There was no yeah. like there were you know we wore a school uniform, but there was nothing conservative about. Could
0: non Jewish kids go to this? I school? I think there
1: were a few. There oh, might have been right. one or two in my year level. Oh
0: wow, okay.
1: Um, if that, yeah, well, yeah, there would have been a, a couple. I think it was open to, but you know, why would? Like, yeah, I don't, under, I don't know why.
0: Did you grow up with faith in your house, like your parents?
1: Yeah, I mean, both religious? my parents are Jewish. Yeah. I have been circumcised and had oh, a bar hello, mitzvah. Ladies? <laughs> ladies, yes. yes okay, your so you've thing. had
0: bar mitzvah. All right, cool. Uh,
1: and we do, you know, we do family dinners uh, every um, every other Friday and we keep Passover uh Mm -hmm. jewish new year rosh hashanah for any hebrews listening there you go and Shebru's, and i fast on yom kippur which is like a day of atonement okay it's like a 24-hour fast but it's not it's not for religious purposes that i do it that's more of a cultural that's what i was saying before it's you know I feel like it's part of my cultural identity. Well, this is the
0: thing. I had a conversation with a friend of mine the other day who's Jewish. And he's like, I'm Jewish, but I'm not religious. Mm. So it's, yeah, there's, there seems to be very strong, like you said, it's a cultural thing as opposed yeah. to a religious thing.
1: Well, I think um, Judaism, uh, I don't want to speak for other religions, but, uh, you know, I think there are probably a handful of religions that are also races. So you're yeah. like... It's not quite like Christianity in the sense that mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't I don't know. It doesn't have the same I don't want to say parameters, but No, you know, I understand. I understand. I think you can culturally I don't know if you would culturally be considered to be Christian but not religiously.
0: Yeah. There's something about the Jewish faith. I I had a um, when I was seeing a, a psychologist, she was really orthodox Jewish woman, mm. amazing woman um and every now and then you know she would be we would be talking about obviously mostly my personal stuff and i have no religious background i'm not baptized i'm going straight to hell apparently um but (laughs) but
1: come to the jewish side we don't believe in hell
0: well i gotta say (laughs) as far as faiths go Mm. she and i talked a little bit about she wouldn't you know obviously be carrying on about judaism and and as such, but things would crop up in our conversations, and she would say, there's this story, um, this beautiful Jewish story, and she'd tell me these stories, and I go, "That's me, that's my story." Mm. Oh my gosh, it's was so relatable and so beautiful and I'm wondering if there's from from growing up, like are there things about the faith that you've taken into your life that even though you are not religious per se that mm. you carry in your life? Mm. Aside from the cultural things, like more religious.
1: You mean things. like getting into show business?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be a producer. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know uh, why I'm always going New York Jew. That's all, that's all I can do. Yeah, all
1: Jews are new from New York. Great. Yeah. I'm in. You're in.
0: I sound right, right? That was fine, wasn't it? Yeah. Thanks.
1: I basically thought Aye. you were Jewish then.
0: Amazing. Are you Jewish? I don't know what I am. Right. We've got, yeah, it's a long story. A Buddhist Muslim... <laughs>
1: catholic sure
0: yep great i'm in yeah conglomeration yeah conglomeration is that the word conglomerate yeah a whole if we put them all in a pot a
1: melting pot a
0: melting pot of of religion i am
1: yeah uh but yeah
0: so are there any things about the faith that you feel you carry in your life now in any way or any any stories or any parts of the faith that you go this is i really identify and
1: I mean, one of the things that I rejected was the notion of, a you know, a bearded man in the sky mm. and all these uh, sort of fables that make up a religious um, text, uh, which may or may not have happened.
0: But some of those fables are beautiful and really... Yeah,
1: yeah, they are. And this if is, you
0: take them as a story, I suppose.
1: Yeah. Um, well, you can take them as gospel as long as you're not hurting anyone. Yeah. Mm. Um, through through doing that or persecuting anyone when i went i mentioned before that when i went to israel uh, three years ago was when i actually embraced the religion and it was one of the first times i went to the uh, the wall in jerusalem in the Mm. old city which is you know one of the most spiritual or religiously important places on planet earth yeah and you feel it when you're there you feel this great sense of wow this thing's been here for a long time and there's a lot of significance uh, to it through many religions not just Judaism and uh, there was a rabbi there who wanted me to um, do a certain prayer with him and I, and I said no and he said and, and he, he said why not I said I don't believe in it i don't want to do something that i don't believe in and he was like just do it you've got nothing to lose and we we ended up having this conversation where he really wanted to know what i had against praying pr- like doing this kind of this ritual that mm. he wanted me to do and i explained to him about what i how i felt about the old man with the beard in the sky who mm. lives on a cloud and um, all the the fables and that sort of thing, and he said that's not what we really believe. Like that's not that's not well, that certainly wasn't what he believed. Um, you know, he and he explained to me that his idea of God and of faith was one of a kind of loving energy that is what kind of connected everyone, and that's what a higher power is. Uh, and it was the first time I felt like I was actually being spoken to. Like a, like an adult, not like a child, which I think mm. you know a lot of religious um
0: they talk down to you it's this is what it is, yeah, yeah and it's, yeah.
1: And, it's all, and because it's kind of ground in these extraordinary stories, that may or may not mm. be true. I don't know what's the, it it feels like you're sitting around listening to children's stories, yeah.
0: I think it's interesting. I don't know if your um, opinions shifted at all since mm. since that incident, but I think it's interesting that you don't believe in prayer so much,
1: or you weren't interested. Well, I think prayer is just to. another way of meditating.
0: Well, that's what I was going to say. I, I, it's my understanding that you, that you're, you know you believe in energy and and meditation, and mm. so if, if if prayer isn't prayer, just well, it's s- all just different sending out for positive thing. message or sending out. Uh, uh, it depends
1: what your intention is
0: well that's right but it's your prayer it's your intention so you can make it what you want it to so yeah was he talking about taking part in a prayer that's kind of a pre-written kind of you know the jewish version of the hail mary kind of thing where you go well that's not me that's not what i
1: um no uh to be perfectly honest with you i can't actually remember what the significant what's the significance the of lying to fill in <clears throat> Thirteen years of Jewish education, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. <laughs>
0: Thanks, mom and dad. Thanks. No, for but you all know those. what I mean. Like, was it was it a structured prayer that he was trying to get you to partake in? as yeah, opposed yeah. to sit down and just pray for whatever yeah, no, you it wanted. Wasn't. To. Okay, it was, right, it, right.
1: It's it's this thing where you 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 may have seen it. You kind of um, bound your arms in mm-hmm. in a strap, and then oh, yeah. your head as well, and you have like a little box that sits. It's called Tefillin. Mm-hmm. Uh. And yeah, I can't remember what the significance of it is, but it was. You know what? I'm sure that whatever it was, it w- you know, I could have made it mean whatever I wanted, mm. even if it was a structured prayer mm. that in his mind was a more selfish kind of act for him or for a greater Jewish people or whatever. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, I could have made it mean something different for me. Mm. And that's what it's all about, really—the intention yeah. that you do anything with.
0: Yeah, which is why I thought it was interesting. It wasn't. It was something you. you yeah, didn't I mean, want to it's do. all
1: just—it's all just the same. Like spirituality, religion. You know, when I started doing this podcast, I thought they were different things, and I think there is a degree of difference. But that's just how I. That's just what I make it mean. <laughs> for you, yeah, that's yeah, the thing. Know, it's and all that, just are different they different words for the same thing? Yeah, yeah. Know? Some people might say God, some people might say source, some people might say love, some people might say talent. Um, people who don't believe in uh, a God or a higher power or an energetic kind of omnipotence or anything like that may just say it's just being a good person. Mm. <laughs> you know.
0: Have you found a specific thing that you go, this is what I believe or is it quite for for me it's quite it's ever-changing and morphing and
1: I mean it's it's ever-evolving the sort of things that I like at the moment uh what I am discovering is that I really um what I want to strive for in my life is to be a hundred percent deliberate with everything that I do and what I mean by that is uh consciously making choices about who I want to be and what I want to do with my life. Mm-hmm. Man, this is getting real serious. It's good. It's yeah. interesting though. Uh, because
0: you think because of the uh, impact that can have on other people in the world? Like,
1: I don't even know if I think about it in, so, in such broad terms. I I just want for me to know that I'm contributing myself to being... I just want to be as conscious as possible about how I act and respond in the world, and that mm-hmm. requires a lot of self reflection mm-hmm. um, but because I want to be as kind as possible in the world, I think striving for happiness is a uh, uh it's a, it's 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 false well, and
0: I think people, when you say kind, I think people automatically go, oh, he just wants to do nice things for other people. No. That's not what kindness is. Kindness is also being kind to yourself as yeah. well as other people. And I think that's where a lot of people... To yourself first. Well, that was, you know, that's been my big lesson over the last year or so. And I think people go, oh, it's so selfish. I felt, I felt initially when mm. I first started doing that quite selfish because I'd never done it before. And then the discovery of actually it's better for everyone mm. um, is I, a is a very interesting lesson
1: mm i've I've certainly noticed in the last probably three or four months how you know shifting that shifting my mindset into that space of wanting to be as kind as possible wherever possible uh, which is not to say that I let people walk all over me. In fact, no. it's the opposite. And yeah. what I've noticed is that people are now really gravitating towards that and wanting to help me with my endeavors and wanting to um, be a part of things that I'm creating. And I'm not saying that to say, wow, look at me. I'm saying that to say Clearly. the power of...
0: Yeah, it's uh, incredible. The,
1: the power of kindness, mm. first and Which foremost to oneself.
0: is love, isn't it really? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, and another thing, something that I've let go of, which I think I discussed very briefly on a recent um, episode I did with Georgia Flood, mm-hmm. uh, was this idea of letting go of justice.
0: Oh, that's big.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I certainly had some experiences. I'm not sure I'm there yet. It's difficult. Mm. I'm I'm sure I haven't fully let go of it. In fact, I know I haven't. There's certainly judgment and, you know, particularly when it comes to filmmaking and creative pursuits that I'm myself following. I, of course, find myself in old patterns of thinking in terms of right and wrong, Mm. but I don't... uh, This is what I mean about being deliberate. A lot of people perhaps are not aware that they think in these kind of right and wrong terms Mm. but that's just a construct of the way that we've been brought up in whatever society under whatever circumstances we have been we're all given a moral code and a moral compass whether we're aware of it or not Uh, and justice sits at the the top of a lot of people's value list Mm. and I actually think that justice for me is what holds me back from being 100%, 100% kind or loving because if I'm more interested in being right than I am in living authentic, I don't want to say authentically, it's such a buzzword and so overused. But no,
0: but it's a, it's a good word. <laughs> yeah. <it's, laughs> That's why. It's
1: a good descriptor. Yeah. Uh, yeah, If I'm, if I'm more interested in justice than in creating great work, or if I'm more interested in justice than I am in having a loving relationship, or if I'm more interested in justice—and when I say justice, I mean right and wrong—and perhaps seeking vengeance when wronged, I'm gonna, I,
0: I'm gonna give that one a crack. <laughs> no, honestly, because yeah. Uh, yeah, there is this thing about no, no, I'm right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you how I'm right. I'm gonna explain how I'm right. Yeah, At and the to end what of the end? Day, why?
1: It's ego fulfillment.
0: It is absolutely. I think that one of the lessons I learned recent not so not immediately recently, but sort of over the last couple of years mm. um, which I think is a a big one for people in our industry, was um just getting getting good at not knowing. Mm. I, I always wanted to know the outcome of everything. What's gonna happen? Is this the person I'm gonna be with? Am I gonna get that job? Um, you know, what's the result? What's the result? What's the result? and that's exhausting mm. and and being okay not knowing is um actually very exciting and um letting go of control trying to control it or you know there's this because there's so little control in our industry mm. you want to sort the of uncertainty yeah and it's been a really wonderful kind of um you know i i don't i've just finished a job and I do have one job coming up but not for a while Into so the next sort of few months are very unknown to me and mm. um, I used to just go, oh, God, well, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And I don't – you can't know. Mm. You can never know. No. And so, um, yeah, it's been this wonderful kind of thing of sitting and being getting better at not knowing. i probably, you know, it's going to take time, mm. like you said before about letting go of justice. But, um, yeah, it's been really, it's been mm. really freeing.
1: Yeah, and I don't think you ever arrive at any point. I think you're just in a constant state of um, stripping layers away. Yeah, there is going, no there. I, I like made it. This. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, Michaela, there's a great rum dust quote, um, which I may have said on a, a recent interview, which is, uh, we're all just walking each other home.
0: <laughs> oh, that's so beautiful. mm well, I I listen to this um, I Ching reading every week. I, I met this um, healer guy in in America years and years and years ago. He Lives in Mexico now, and he does these I Ching readings, which is an ancient oracle. Mm. Um, they're all they're different every week, but at the end, he always says the same thing. He says, "In Lakesh alakin," which is "I am the other you," mm. which is a similar thing of going, "I'm I'm just you reflecting back at yourself." You know, yeah. we are. I am the other you of anybody, so um, which that's. But, I, but yeah, they're walking each other home. Things gorgeous. <laughs> I like that. I like that. You can have it. Thank you. I'm gonna. I'm From gonna take that. I'm taking that. I'm taking you. letting go of justice. <laughs> See you later. Um, I had all these other things I wanted to talk about, but this has been far more interesting, and we probably need to wrap it up soon. But um, as per the title of this delightful podcast what is coming up next for you aside from all the other amazing things that you've done in your career and life that we didn't get to talk about yeah um we might need we might need a second installment just to talk talk more work stuff 50 part two yeah (laughs)
1: yeah episode 51 i guess yep is that how that works
0: yeah i'm i'm up for it um but i i I think the spiritual conversation has been just as (laughs) just as interesting but you're you've had an exceptional career and um,
1: well, that's really, we could talk that's a really about fine it thing to say
0: oh it 's true you 've done amazing things in traveling around australia with sam johnson you 've made short films pilots two thousand and sixteen Tropfest final. like you 've had this incredible you 've been as and then you 've been an actor um, so there 's been so many things that i 've like got all these things to chat about it 's like <laughs> been an hour but um but yeah i 'm interested to know what 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 your next move is because uh yeah, you've had a really interesting journey so far.
1: Ooh, I hate that word. What a great word, adventure.
0: Authentic journey.
1: <laughs> An authentic journey. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> we should beep it out like it's a rude word, like i said mm. the F word. Um, yeah, yeah, what's Nick to play you, you little sting. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Uh, what's next?
1: Man, what's next? Uh, <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> I've never really planned my career very well
0: well you can't yeah (laughs) you can't plan a career in this see previous 45 minute conversation
1: (laughs) (laughs) or previous 49 episodes yeah uh yeah every time i feel like i've tried to plan something for example five years ago i came back from doing a very short stint living in new york where i was studying at the lee strasberg institute studying acting yeah um I had a girlfriend, uh, I had a job, um, and I had a plan to go back and live in New York indefinitely with said girlfriend. Yep. And I was doing a short film. I was performing in a short film uh, with one Samuel Johnson, Mm -hmm. whom I hadn't seen for probably about six months or a year at this point in time. And he said to me, I am going to unicycle around Australia <laughs> for breast cancer um, for As my sister, do. and I need someone to make a documentary about it. Um, and
0: do you know anyone? Yeah. No.
1: <laughs> and eventually, that You're person became me. And you know, uh, best laid plans, etc. Mm. Um, broke up with girlfriend, quit job, and dedicated mm. life to making this film. And that kind of you know, that was a three year journey. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, Just on that, before you talk about what you, what was there? Is there any, because that was such an iconic kind of, everyone knows about that mm. trip and the incredible documentary that was made with love your sister. Was there, I mean, there were so many little adventures on that trip. I imagine so many stories, so many, you know, I saw some, well, I've seen obviously the documentary, but I've seen all kinds of footage, um, because I was working with Sam on a play while he was doing this yeah, thing, yeah. so we got to hang out and and uh, and talk. But
1: eat some delicious sushi.
0: We did. Hello, sushi. Um,
1: <laughs> Shout out to was that in Geelong?
0: Yeah, I think I think it was in Geelong. Hello, sushi. Which is how Al and I say hi to each other whenever we see each other. Hello, yep. sushi. Um, <laughs> but I'm wondering if there's the, if there were was like anything that just was the the standout moment of that experience
1: oh. <laughs> Jesus I Christ know. first you asked me favourite podcast now favourite Love Your Sister memory well just
0: if there was something that no one knows hard about hard
1: questions oh there's plenty that no one knows about I mean it's one of those for th- you
0: I mean Sam went through a lot of stuff but things that really impacted you
1: Mm. So many amazing memories and difficult memories as well. Uh, you know, living on the road predominantly with two other people um, and transient others mm. uh, in such a small environment. You know, we're living in a caravan most of the time and traveling mm. at tedious speeds, 15 kilometers an hour. Um, certainly requires a perfect storm of demeanors uh to not have any conflict and to say that there was no conflict would be a lie um you know we we definitely had challenges there was certainly a point where i thought about walking away um i know certainly points certainly a point where leighton or actually leighton uh who was the third um member of the three people i'm talking about uh he was always very dogmatic about seeing the whole thing through. Mm. Um, but, you know, the, the the nature of traveling around in such close proximity, it really bring can bring the best out of people and knowing that we could coexist and could create something so magical. Mm. Um, you know, we existed in this bubble that was certainly not a reality, uh, mm. but... It was this extraordinary place where everywhere we went, we were received with love and we were given love and, you know, we were invited into people's homes and told their most intimate stories about, you know, their families being torn apart by this horrific disease. Mm. Um, You know, people never remember what you say. They remember how you made them feel. Mm. Uh, So... I don't know. I'm sure I could recall what some of the stories were, but I remember the overwhelming feeling of gratitude and appreciation and honor that I felt for being told these sort of things. And, you know, there were, there was, there's all the little rapport that, you know, Sam Layton and I and Jono, who's Sam's nephew, who was on the ride, and um a woman named Amanda Nelson, who was there, and Stu Liddell, who produced, um, who directed the documentary with me. And who shot, you know, heaps of it as well. Um, The kind of and and um, you know, Connie and and Emma, the kind of rapport that we all build through this kind of brother and sisterhood, Mm. um, you know, is amazing. And um, of course, there are highlights like bungee jumping and skydiving, yeah, um, which are kind of visceral experiences, but. I think actually feeling like you're contributing to society in a very tangible way. I mean, coming back to Fed Square and seeing however many thousand people were there Mm -hmm. waiting for us to come back, or when we went to Dale'sford and Sam having a kind of hero's return. And
0: and compared to when you left. I mean, not that there weren't many people Mm. when you left, but it wasn't the size of when you returned. So the, the size of what you'd been through, it really resonated.
1: Yeah, so I mean... Yeah, uh, you know there were so many nights where sam and i and i think he and i spoke about this would sit outside having a couple of sneaky drinks (laughs) (laughs) Um, sam
0: johnson and a sneaky drink whatever do you mean yeah (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: and we would dream that was what we would do we would sit under the stars and we would dream about what we wanted to do with our careers um once, love your sister. Once the unicycle ride uh, on of love your sister ended, and I and you know, I think the most cherished memories I have are of really solidifying my friendship mm. with him. Mm. Uh, and Leighton, to an extent, but Leighton met a woman at one point <laughs> on the trip, and his focus and attention was perhaps divided. Yeah. Um, so, certainly, Sam and I uh, and our relationship. Uh, really flourished certainly through adversity as well Um, Mm. but mostly through through these moments
0: so going back to your story you can never plan anything Mm. you you had this big plan to you know go back to New York and be an actor with your girlfriend and then you end up on the road Mm. with a hilariously crazy amazing (laughs) unicycling seeing every letterbox seeing every letterbox in slow motion almost Mm. um and so and so now uh within the conversations that you had with sam about what you want to do next Mm. is that where you're going is that
1: well one of the things that he and i had spoken about doing was creating sweatshop Mm -hmm. uh so which tick tick well (laughs) um, no well, when we made the pilot.
0: You've made a start.
1: Yeah, which is which was an amazing experience, and you know, it let me work with you. I mean, um, you know, to the know dream. You better. Check. Yeah, <laughs> well, that, that was on my bucket list, uh, and you know, it's certainly given me an amazing um, project, Uh and it's as I was saying to you earlier, it's currently in development. With Screen Australia, I think we find out when this is released. I guess we will have found out a few weeks ago. We'll have to
0: do a little tag at the end and let people know.
1: Yeah, whether or not we were successful with our um, funding application. But So mm. that's on the boil. Um, I was recently in Los Angeles uh, and I was taking my slate of work around. And it's funny, there were a, a number of people who were actually interested in... I made this short film which was the beginning of a feature film called Shotgun when I was in my final year at film school mm-hmm. um, and talk to talk about uh, amazing mentors. I I was very fortunate to be mentored by an amazing Australian filmmaker named Richard Franklin mm-hmm. um, in his last couple of years before he unfortunately passed away um, from cancer. Uh, and he he made films like Road Games, um, Patrick. Uh, he made oh, Psycho 2. Mm-hmm. He was, you know, uh, he's one of the people that Tarantino cites as one of the the filmmakers of the Osploitation era. Yeah. Um, and he was always incredibly encouraging because I was like, art house films, pff, fuck that. <laughs> I want to make commercially viable <laughs> films, things that people might actually want to watch in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I made this, I was writing this feature film called Shotgun and I made the opening 15 minutes of it, uh, which is how I met Samuel. Mm-hmm and then i tried to get it off the ground um this is in the days before crowdfunding tried to get it up off the ground and then the g gfc hit and the money that i had um for it disappeared very quickly and mm-hmm. you know it's just this really tedious process of redrafting and and caring about people's opinion too much like on a creative level seeking out too many opinions about a script is never a good idea in my opinion <laughs> Is that ironic to, to make that statement? <laughs> uh, anyway, so it, it, never, it never ended up amounting to anything. And then mm. on this trip uh, a month or so ago in LA, there was a few people who'd watched it and they were like, wow. so what's that all about? Is there mm. a script for that that I can read without wow. me? And I'm like, I thought this was dead. Yeah. But no, <laughs> Bring it's, it back. Uh, it's had new life breathed into it. And, you know, it's...
0: I think that and, and, and the wolf... What happens when the wolf gets what he wants? <laughs> Legs. Both things to consider.
1: Yeah. And I've recently acquired the I'm rights to a, to a book. Yeah, actually, that's um, that wolf one.
0: See? Oh, he's, I can hear his brain going. Can you hear it?
1: No, you probably can't hear it. I can
0: hear it in the room. In the room, I can hear it.
1: <laughs> if I put my ear to the
0: There
1: you go. It sounds like a sun. clock, a really fast clock yep. or a unicycle. It's whirring away.
0: Uh, so there's potential for the for you to start to 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 look at uh, shotgun again
1: yeah um the day the wolf got his way Yeah, uh there's sweatshop i recently acquired the rights to a the film and television rights to an autobiography um which is about a woman who worked in uh secret intelligence um in europe and australia from world war ii to
0: mid to late 30s brunette is she of that kind yeah, of ilk yeah. standing I back? actually
1: had her on the podcast, I think, uh, episode uh, 39 and 40.
0: Did she say she wanted Michaela Bannis to play her by any chance? She did. She put, You probably didn't hear it. No, we'll, she, we'll talk about she
1: said um, <laughs> the sweary one from Upper Middle Bogan.
0: I don't know who that is.
1: Who... We'll look into it. I, I, she said farts, but I assume she meant belches. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that just may Yeah, anyway. Um, so you've got these rights. Yeah, what? yeah. So, I mean and i have just launched a um a thing called boss pods mm. which is uh an online boss pods boss pods right. uh it makes sense in a second mm-hmm. uh it's an online course for people who want to learn how to podcast like a boss amazing uh and it's there's a there's a longer term kind of vision for it to be a, a more of an online resource for um for podcasters and for people who want to podcast because mm podcasting is huge and in australia i don't think there's a lot of um very good education around it you know most of what i've seen has been um you know people who are in marketing or sales or um or coaches who are creating modulized sort of programs um, that people can buy to learn how to podcast but i mean first and foremost podcasting is a form of entertainment uh so and And I think that the quality of a sh- of the show that you create will directly reflect the quality of the um the branding that you want to be promoting mm-hmm. uh I know when I started this show I wanted to go I wanted to make it as best quality as possible so yeah. that's why I went to my brother who's in you know got amazing microphones and I went to my friends who are audio engineers and mm-hmm. yeah, I mean you know pros and cons yeah everything peaks and troughs um peaks and troughs and you know certainly through doing love your sister learned about creating great and engaging content anyway so
0: you've pretty much you've got a whole lot of time on your hands so if people want to work with you on their projects they should write in (laughs) yeah well this (laughs) is a letter old school that's how we like it
1: yeah that's something that's something that i've always been interested in you know that's why i went to film school in the first place as an actor because i wanted to learn how to make my own work i never wanted to Mm. be uh uh, I never wanted to be held to the powers that be to say, "Here's a job, or here's not a job." No, yeah. you can't have this job. I'm yeah, like, yeah, that's
0: a big thing. I like.
1: I'm. I'm happy to play that game as well, but I want to know that I can always be, and I am always creating mm. my own opportunities. Mm. Um, and I think that comes down to, and it's really only been since the start of love your sister that I really have kind of gone headstrong into that mentality. And I think it's that shift of mindset and how I value myself and my time and what I have to offer.
0: Hmm. Well, we're at the end of this, the 50th Woo-hoo! podcast. Yeah.
1: And Here's in uh, in
0: closing, Al Marx, what makes you silly?
1: Wow. That's a really good question.
0: And I, I just, I saw this, I had this guy ask a few people. Well, when you say
1: what, do you mean like what is it about me (laughs) that is. It's up to you.
0: You take the question however you want to take it. The question is, Al Marx, what makes you. (laughs) Bless you.
1: (laughs) That really loud sneeze.
0: What makes you silly?
1: Should have thought about this.
0: I was actually going to say to you, I bet you've, I, I wanted to say at the beginning of the interview and I forgot <laughs> to, I hope you haven't pre-thought anything. Please just be in the moment, which you totally have, so I didn't need to say it anyway. I but I actually, thought you would have pre-thought this question. No. Or your answer to this question. You haven't. That's good. Now you know what it's like. <laughs> mm.
1: um, I think when I'm really, when I'm really in a state of, Joy and feeling good about myself and what I'm doing, and when I'm working really hard and I've got like a, a goal or a mission and I'm kind of going headstrong into that, I feel this sense of irreverence about everything that I do. And I don't my my um, my concerns about what people might think of me disappear very quickly, and I feel like I feel so present and alert that my wit is becomes as sharp as like a you know as sharp as a tack (laughs) and uh yeah i feel very safe and secure in just being as ridiculous as possible alcohol that seems to be a common thing Uh, i don't really drink that much anymore though but certainly when i used to it would make me do silly things and get up to (laughs) mischief uh my love of wrestling that's pretty silly that still exists oh yeah i actually do a wrestling podcast brilliant uh, as well with with uh, with phil brilliant i call him the phil nominal one
0: oh wow that's
1: uh, <sniffs> wow yeah <laughs> yeah i love professional wrestling and i am not ashamed to say how much i enjoy it um if i could give you a dream job it would probably be being a professional wrestler um if it didn't hurt, if it didn't look like it hurt so much. <laughs> uh, but the whole performance element of it, uh, live performance and the soap opera and the, just the ridiculousness of it. I mean, they're like real life superheroes. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's just it's so... It's
0: really ridiculous. It is so ridiculous. Yeah. and I
1: love it so much. <laughs> um, Brilliant. Revisiting nostalgic things like interviewing Peter Coombe. <laughs> uh and revisiting his music, that made me pretty silly. <laughs> Being silly makes me silly.
0: Tends to do that, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the end of the 50th episode. Thank you so much for... Uh, uh, thank you for the honour of uh, sitting in the in the boss's chair. I feel like I ran this thing like a boss. Thank you for like sitting in the boss's boss. chair. I don't know if you I did. Did. Um, you did. It's been amazing to we talk to you. We could get you
1: podcasting like a boss.
0: Hey, you never know. I think maybe I might look online and see if there's anything that could help me do that. Bosspods.com bosspods.com perhaps um thanks to everyone (laughs) for listening again and uh look we might have to do another one because there's so much more to talk about but um nice to chat to you
1: thanks mick (laughs)